and welcome back to another episode of You Heard It Here First, the show that helps you discover the best that Audible has to offer. I'm your host, Imriel Morgan, and on today's show, we hear about the twisted world of a Newcastle photographer and one boy's struggle as his family life falls apart. Then, I'm joined by two of Audible's lovely editors who bring some joy with their hilarious recommendations. And we hear from one of you two in our listeners' corner. Let's go! Up first is our featured customer review. This is the part of the show where I showcase one of the reviews left on the Audible website. Today, I've picked a review by Mrs. SL. She left this five-star review for Through the Leopard's Gaze by Jambi McGrath. Let's hear what she made of it. An honest but painful story. I couldn't stop listening to this. Written so beautifully, Jambi tells the story of her life with unexpected twists and turns. I had to re-listen to parts to comprehend them. Such shocking reading in places too. It's the first book I've read that gives the perspective of colonialism from the African side, but it's beautifully mingled with the innocence of a little girl growing up in Kenya. Very highly recommended. Thanks, Mrs. SL. This book is also one of Jacaranda's 20 in 2020, a campaign that's publishing 20 books by black authors this year. If you want to check it out, you can find it by searching for Through the Leopard's Gaze by Jambi McGrath on Audible Now. Now it's time to hear about a brand new audiobook that I've really enjoyed. In this episode, I've gone for a dark comic thriller by first-time author Eliza Clark called Boy Parts. Boy Parts follows the exploits of Irina Sturgis, a fetish photographer based in Newcastle. We meet Irina just as she gets an invitation to be part of an exhibition at a gallery in London. It's at this point we come to learn a little more about Irina's photography and her peculiar fascination with humiliating men. There are a decent number of characters. Irina's best friend and former lover Flo, a trans man named Finch, and Eddie from Tesco, who all play an important role in helping us understand Irina's world. The author, Eliza, says the book was inspired by the Charlie XCX video for her single, Boys. I've watched the video and it is quite different to the shocking fetishized pictures Irina creates, but I still think this is a great fact. To get ready for the show, Irina delves through her photography archive and it starts a spiral of self-destructive behavior. As the story goes on, it switches between her memories of former shoots and her real life. The story is told in the first person and it gets harder to decipher what's real and what's not. You can feel her losing her grip on reality. So what can I say about Irina? I hated her. There is almost nothing, and I mean nothing, redeemable about her. She is cruel, uncaring, and self-absorbed. Irina directs her self-loathing on everyone around her, including Flo. And we get a bit of an insight into Irina through Flo's blog posts, which pop up in the book when Irina reads them. Here's a little look into their relationship. Just to warn you, there's some swearing in this clip. Ugh. Coming at you all with a sad gay TM post again. I'm really struggling with Rini. I felt like I weaned myself off and I'm really trying to focus on Michael and how well that's going. But I think about her all the time. It's hard to tell if this is just like something my brain is cooking up as self-sabotage or if I'm still fucking pathetic and in love with her like I was during foundation and uni. Jeez, it's been nearly 10 years now. 
I wonder if I'm just literally never going to get over her or what. And I know I'm about to cue like 10 of you coming in like she sounds toxic, yada, yada, yada. And I swear she isn't as bad as it sounds on here sometimes. But there's just loads of shit in her past I'm not going to share on here. And like, she is really, really not this awful like monster I think sometimes you all seem to think she is. I really think she has undiagnosed BPD and she doesn't have many real friends. She's like incapable of healthy relationships and she really needs my help. I read it on the bus. Flo's theory about me having borderline personality disorder is this weird long-standing thing. And I'm sure if someone else tried to give me a diagnosis without being qualified to do so, she'd be the first person to jump in with accusations of ableism. Plus, if anyone's borderline out of the two of us, it's her. And I hate it when she calls me Rini. Jesus. See? Their friendship is so strange. And Irina also treats her male models with complete contempt, including poor Eddie from Tesco. He's harmless. I honestly couldn't stand her as a character. But, and it's a big but, despite that, there's something weirdly captivating about her. It's not a spoiler to say she's also been the victim of some abuse, and because of this, your opinion of her constantly shifts. The book is full of shocking twists, and it gets more and more violent. No spoilers, but all I'll say is some people have compared Irina to Patrick Bateman out of American Psycho. I'd argue it doesn't quite have the payoff, but there are some seriously surprising moments. In part, this is thanks to the strong narration of Irina by Eliza Clark herself. She captures the character perfectly, and I can really picture her. What didn't work for me was Eliza's voices for the male characters. Eddie from Tesco sounded about four years old, and that made his appearances creepy and jarring in comparison to Irina's dominant and mature voice. Eliza said Irina's internal monologue was originally a lot more similar to her own voice, but she said it was fun to experiment with Irina and to make her a lot meaner than she would ever be. And boy, is she mean. I enjoyed Boy Parts, and I think you might too. It's quite a hard book to place, but I think it'll be a great listen for fans of contemporary art, students, and people that love a strong female-led thriller. It's worth noting that the book is very liberal with its references to sex, rape, drugs, and violence, so that's something to bear in mind for the more conservative listeners among us. But it builds really well, and I was intrigued to see how it would end. So, if you're feeling brave enough to enter Irina's strange world, search for Boy Parts by Eliza Clark on Audible now. Next up, it's time for the Hidden gem section of the show. This is where I pick a book that I think you'll really enjoy, even if it isn't new. And this week, I've chosen a fiction book called My Name is Leon by Kit Duvall, narrated by Lenny Henry. The book is set in Birmingham in the 1980s and is told from the perspective of nine-year-old Leon. Leon is forced to look after his baby brother Jake when his mum's mental health means she is no longer able to cope. When a neighbour finds them all living in filth, Leon and Jake are taken into care to live with a woman called Maureen. But Jake is white and Leon is mixed race. And when a family adopts Jake, Leon is left behind. It breaks Leon's heart and the story follows him as he tries to reunite his family. It's a tale of love, separation and hope. When Maureen falls ill, Leon goes to live with her sister Sylvia. Whilst he's there, he gets a bike which he uses to race around and visit the local allotment. 
At the same time as Leon's story is unfolding, a black man is killed in police custody. The book works really well at balancing the viewpoint of Leon and his focus on his family, and also telling a wider story of racial unrest that was happening at the time. Leon's innocence and childlike perspective is consistent throughout, so you're fully thrown into his naivety and imagination. While listening, you're able to suspend belief for long enough to think he might just get his family back. The reality for me and for him is quite heartbreaking, and I think that's because of Kit's writing. Kit is an author from Birmingham. Before becoming a writer, she worked in criminal and family law and also used to sit on adoption panels, so it makes sense she'd end up writing a book just like this one. To help her when writing it, she says she found a picture of a little mixed-race boy on a bike on Google. She printed it and stuck it on her computer and would ask herself, what does this boy see? It's a sweet story, and I think it highlights just how difficult life is for those who are taken into care. From Leon's point of view, it's easy to see how unjust the whole system can feel. Here's a moment where it all begins to overwhelm Leon. There are too many things that Leon doesn't like, and he's made a list of them in his head. Sylvia. Sylvia's house. Having to move to Sylvia's house, even though they said he could stay at Maureen's house, but they lied. Sylvia only stayed one night in Maureen's house, then she said she was sick of it, and she was going back to her own house, and he had to go with her. Sylvia calling Maureen Mao all the time, or our Mao, to leave Leon out. Nobody letting him talk about Jake. Maureen used to let him talk about Jake and she would join in. No one remembering that he's got a brother. Two girls in his new school who made him swear and get into trouble. Sylvia's cereal. The way on Saturday Sylvia keeps telling him to go outside to play when all the best programmes are on. Her smell. His mum not coming to get him. All the toys he couldn't bring to Sylvia's house because of the mess they make. No one talking about Jake's first birthday, because they've forgotten about him, but Leon hasn't. It's hard to hear the problems Leon experiences, and yet, while it tackles all of these tough subjects, it manages to do so in a way that also brings a lot of joy to the story. The book is narrated by Lenny Henry, which I actually didn't realise until producer Ellie told me. I think it's mostly a good performance from him, though, like with Graham Norton's book last week, I think his voices for the female characters are mm, a little questionable. Also, there's one character who is from Northern Ireland, and Lenny's accent wobbles about a bit, but it didn't take away from my enjoyment of the book. If you want a story that will really pull at your heartstrings, check out My Name is Leon by Kit Duval on Audible now. And on You Heard It Here First, I'm not the only one who'll be recommending you something great from the Audible website. This week, I'm joined by the fabulous Frances Earlham to share something she loves. Hey, Frances. Hi, Imreel. Great to have you back. What have you chosen this week? So I have chosen French and Saunders Titting About, which is a podcast that we released in October, October the 6th. And do you know what? I think I've listened to it three times already. <laughs> brilliant. What do you love about it? I love everything about it. I mean, it's French and Saunders. So like Dawn French, Jennifer Saunders, chatting away. It's like being down the pub with two of your funniest best friends. (laughs) It is literally like uh, listening in on a conversation um, between two people that you, you feel 
are genuinely really good friends. Yeah. And their anecdotes and their little quizzes and just everything they say is funny and enjoyable to listen to. Do you think it's on purpose or do you think they're just naturally quite funny together? I think they kind of bounce off each other. They're probably just both really funny. Well, we know they're really funny people individually um, and when when they're working with other people as well. Mm. But together, it's perfect. Brilliant. What kind of things do they talk about while they're, quote unquote, titting about? (laughs) So they talk about their hobbies and their passions. They talk about the seven deadly sins. They talk about holidays. They also talk about their career a little bit. There are a few stories on there that you probably haven't heard them talk about before and certainly some of the anecdotes that you you wouldn't have heard. I personally really enjoyed hearing about them growing up and Mm. dotted across the episodes as little snippets about what they collected as kids, about their school dinners, and I got to know them a lot better. Yeah, I agree. I found that um, it was quite nice to learn that both of them had dads in the RAF and so they ended up having quite similar upbringings to each other and that was like a really nice like moment of connection between them but also it just added to their their friendship and the conversations they're having. Was there a part of the podcast that you just found absolutely hilarious? All of it. Um, (laughs) Seriously um, yeah there was a time when Dawn French was asking Jennifer Saunders about about her hobbies and that she really enjoys football and you could hear Dawn kind of being like yeah that's interesting we can move on um but there's also yeah. a moment when <laughs> Dawn's talking about all the celebrities that she's kissed ah uh, yeah I love that bit it's quite a roll call <laughs> um <laughs> she's kissed a fair few celebrities she's such a lucky bugger <laughs> I know and the situations she, I mean she makes it happen she she wants to kiss that celebrity she will make it happen and I thought that Part was really good and I, I did know that she'd snogged a couple of them but there were situations I wasn't aware of. Yeah for example like the Brad Pitt kiss which was quite a remarkable situation to say the least. Let's hear a quick clip. Brad Pitt Entirely. was at another table mm-hmm. uh, with a friend of ours who was had directed him in something. Terry Gilliam. Terry Gilliam. I went to the toilet. I stole the pad off the waiter. I wrote a note and I asked the waiter to take it to Terry Gilliam. The note said, <laughs> the note said, please make it, because he was having lunch with Brad Pitt, please make Brad Pitt kiss Dawn as if he knows her and loves her or I will kill your children. <laughs> and this is a fact. And... So I looked over when he received the note and he mm-hmm. winked at me like this, you naughty girl, that sort of wink. And I thought, ah, you, is a good joke. Uh, and I thought, it probably won't happen. Mm. And you, then I got involved in the lunch with you, got more involved with the eating, and suddenly, who was on my lips? Mm. Brad Pitt. And the extraordinary thing was that it was at the Ivy, wasn't it? It was at the and Ivy. everybody was being so that. cool and kind of knowing Brad Pitt was there, but trying not to look at him, yeah. not to look at him. Yeah. And as he got up to leave, of course, every person looked at him. Yeah. And who did and, he come over and who, to? He came over he to you and he snogged you. On the lips and then said, I'll call you, I'll call you. How did you feel, Francis, about learning that she's kissed Brad Pitt? Because I feel like a lot of us had a crush on Brad Pitt at one stage or another in life. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, Brad Pitt is like really high on that list. And uh, let's not forget George Clooney as well. Seriously? Oh, yeah, my God. How did I forget? <laughs> George Clooney and Brad Pitt. There's goals. I wouldn't say no, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> 
Is this the kind of thing that you can dip in and out of or should you listen in order? I think if the setup is such that you can dip in and out of it, but why would you want to? Like, <laughs> like I think you'd find it really difficult not to want to keep listening, but it is set up in that way. So you don't ha- even have to listen to a full episode in one go. One anecdote about Dawn kissing Brad Pitt and then... You can wait for the anecdotes about her kissing George Clooney if you really want to. (laughs) But why would you, of course? Why would you? Thank you so much, Francis. That was great fun. Thank you. Dawn French and Jennifer Saunders started their long career together as students at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. If you fancy checking out their latest side-splitting offering, you can find Titting About by French and Saunders on Audible. And hoping to equally impress us with their pick is first-time guest Bryony Cullen. Hey, Bryony, welcome to the show. Hiya. How are you? I am good, thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited to speak to you about this book. Can you start by telling us what you do at Audible? Yeah, of course. So I'm in the content marketing team at Audible. So that's using all of our fabulous original and exclusive content to bring in new members. Excellent. Sounds great. What have you picked today? So I've picked Claudia Winkleman's new book called Quite, which is a kind of memoir slash Claudia's advice on life. Why do you want to take advice from Claudia Winkleman? Or or did you think about that when you picked this book? Yeah, so I I'm not like a I'm not massive strictly fan or anything like that, but Claudia's the type of person that whenever I've seen her on a panel show or watch those hilarious um, head and shoulders ads that she did a couple of (laughs) years ago. I've always thought that she was kind of really funny and really quirky and really interesting. Mm -hmm. And I actually started listening to this when the announcement about lockdown two came around and felt like I really kind of needed cheering up. I was feeling a bit kind of down and miserable about what the kind of next four weeks would look like so yeah I'd heard Claudia talk about her book on a fair kind of few podcasts so thought um it was exactly the kind of thing that I needed to kind of perk me up and um Claudia's words of wisdom might help me get get through four weeks (laughs) being in the house Do you know what? I think you might be right. (laughs) I mostly know Claudia for her impressive fringe, which she does talk about in the book. But this is a really different kind of guide or self-help book. How would you describe it, do you think? Yeah, so I mean, her fringe is very definitely mentioned and there's lots of tips around how often you should have your fringe cut. But I think it's it's Claudia's observations kind of as she's lived her life on what works for her and what makes her happy and, and what things you need to worry about in your life and what things you don't. And she's kind of compiled them. It's not a memoir as such in that it's not kind of a look through her life and kind of how she got to where she is in her career, but the advice that she's kind of compiled and found works for her and what she kind of recommends for for women in particular mm-hmm. in terms of kind of what you should worry about what you shouldn't and what I loved about the book is that there are kind of lots of discussions around what you might think are fairly trivial things like your fringe like the perfect black blazer um a very interesting chapter on squirrel etiquette um, 
um, but then there's, um, I think what really kind of came through as well was the real importance that she places on her female friends and kind of building up that support group around you and not focusing on all your attentions on the relationship that you're in or trying to find a husband or, or anything like that. I think there's a real kind of female empowerment thread throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Something that really struck me at the end is she kind of makes a plea to any young girls um, reading or, or listening to the book about that they should focus on being nerds, I think she calls it, focusing on their studies and um, making sure that you know they do their homework on time and, and really focus on improving themselves rather than how popular they are or or what they look like or anything like that. So I feel like it's quite inspirational advice from a woman who really seems like she's comfortable with who she is and yeah. kind of advice on how she's got there, I guess. Yeah, I completely agree. I I didn't think I would enjoy anything from Claudia Wunkerman, not because I have any particular opinion on her positive or negative. I just hadn't really thought of her at all, which sounds terrible mm. now I say it out loud. <laughs> But um, <laughs> but I guess what's been quite good about this book is like how my expectations shifted and how much I found her to be so likable mm. and fun and funny and personable. Was there any part of the book that you just found absolutely hilarious or strange? Yeah, I think that the chapter on squirrel etiquette that I mentioned is just unbelievably bizarre um, <laughs> she introduces it as um something that her youngest son had asked her to include in the book but it's quite eccentric uh, to say the least if you only listen to that short chapter I think you'd come away quite puzzled um but I mean obviously useful advice to some people out there <laughs> yeah let's hear a clip of that one If you spot a squirrel, then you are allowed, in fact encouraged, to walk up to him, her, making a little kiss noise so that he knows you're there. It's more of a click-click sound. Two, if he is not too scared, scaring a squirrel is an absolute no-no, then offering an unsalted nut, preferably of the monkey variety, we've looked into it, is absolutely fine. Three, If the squirrel is a little jumpy or nervous, then the human must move on. Leave a nut in view, but please don't throw it at the jazz rat. Sorry, (laughs) fluffy animal. Four. If someone else has spotted the squirrel, then you need to, through eye contact and possibly a small bow or nod of the head, work out who will be approaching. Five. If this person has a child with them younger than yours, that immediately means they get the first feed. Stepping back at this point is the right thing to do. Watching from afar is totally fine. Please do not hold out a nut at this point. This can be confusing for all parties. What exactly is it that's so funny about this to you? I mean, it's just unbelievably random how that sits alongside, you know, quite compelling chapters about the importance of the NHS and nurses. I just feel like this sudden like 10 list of um, what you should be doing to look after squirrels and how you should interact with other people is just unbelievably strange. (laughs) All right. Would there be anything that you would improve about this book? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think, I mean, I hope this isn't too much of a cop out in terms of an answer, but I'd love it to be longer. I found myself wanting to listen to her advice on 
everything rather than I think it's about kind of five hours in length but I could have carried mm-hmm. on listening and had the complete Claudia Winkleman guide of, of how to live my life um <laughs> so um I think probably if you're a Strictly fan you might come to the book looking for Strictly gossip which she is very tight-lipped about other than talking about how Ed Balls made a mean cup of tea but yeah for me I could have just kept on listening to be honest yeah I can completely relate to that thank you so much Bryony Thank you. And for more of Claudia's wonderful advice, search for Quite on Audible. If you're enjoying this podcast, please do subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. And if you're loving it, leave us a rating and review. Next, it's time to hear more from some of your favourite authors, thanks to Audible Sessions. This week, I've chosen a clip from Holly Newson's session with Megan Phelps Roper. Megan is a former member of the infamous Westboro Baptist Church in America, picketing at soldiers' funerals with homophobic placards. She is also the granddaughter of the church's founder, Fred Phelps. She left the church in 2012, which also meant leaving her family behind. She's written a book about the experience called Unfollow. In this Audible session, she speaks to Holly about the book, her views on faith, and what it means to grow up in that kind of environment. So, I mean, there's two sides to it. There absolutely was a lot of rules and a lot of, you know, my mom called them the bounds of our habitation, like these these things that kind of fenced us in and made us apart from the rest of the world. And, you know, my mom was an intense micromanager. Like she, from the time I was born until I left the church, you know, my mom knew where, I was almost 27 when I left the church. My mom knew where I was and what I was doing at all times, basically. There was no, you know, freedom or independence of any kind. It was really important also that that sign that you mentioned, God hates your feelings. That idea kind of comes from this Bible passage that says we had a duty to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so it's an environment that, that makes you understand that you can't trust yourself. If you have any thought or feeling or doubt or anything that goes against Westboro's teachings, God hates that and you have to quash it. In some ways, it could be difficult to do that because obviously as a, as a child growing up, like we had the same kinds of, you know, desires for independence as anyone else. But if you could submit yourself to those standards, if you could conform to them and, you know, obviously being convinced that it was the right thing to do, there is no better place. The sense of certainty was supremely comforting. Gosh, that sounds absolutely horrendous. I am so glad that she's out and it's so brave of her to share that experience with the world because I think that is not something you hear about every day and it must be so terrifying to think that and have people and your family think that God hates you now like that's that's terrifying if you want to learn more about Megan's experience in the Westboro Baptist Church you can download her full audible session from the audible website or app where you can also find her book unfollow and finally it's time to hear from you in our listeners corner each week i ask you to send in your recommendations for the chance to win two audible credits this week our listeners corner comes from deborah hi imriel i'd like to recommend milkman by anna burns this tale about sectarian violence in ireland completely comes alive in this brilliant audio telling this is audiobooks at their best 
opening up great writing to everyone, not just those who try to keep up with fashionable literature. It's Spellbinding, so well read and a book that will stay with you for the rest of your life. It won the Booker Prize, but I wouldn't have read it if not for Audible. Thanks, Deborah, and so nice to hear why the audiobook version is so special. You've won two Audible credits to use on any books you please. And for your chance to win some credits, please send us your reviews. All you have to do is send us a short message telling us all about something you've listened to that's really stuck with you. Just record a voice note on your phone and email it over to us on yhihf at audible.co.uk or send us an email and I'll read it out. But remember, no spoilers here, please. And sadly, that's all for this week's You Heard It Here First. In case you missed any of the titles we recommended today, here they are again. Through the Leopard's Gaze by Jambi McGrath. Boy Parts by Eliza Clark. My Name is Leon by Kit Duvall. French and Saunders, Titting About by Dawn French and Jennifer Saunders. Quite by Claudia Winkleman. Megan Phelps Roper's Audible Session. And our listener's corner was Milkman by Anna Burns. You've been listening to You Heard It Here First, an Audible original produced by Content is Queen. Presented by me, Imriel Morgan, additional voices by Lazara Morgan, and featuring Francis Erlem and Bryony Cullen. It was produced by Ellie Clifford. Original music was by Seth Bradford. For Audible, the executive producer was Holly Neeson. The production executive was Hayley Nathan. And the commissioning editor was Kent DePinto. Pinto.